Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program, Bokotov, for those who are in Hebrew. Good morning. I mean, not in Hebrew, but <laughs> spoken in Hebrew. For those who are Jews that are listening to me or understand Hebrew, Bokotov, that means... Uh, good morning in Hebrew. I am going to continue my Bible study, um, analyzing the book of Revelation. I know this is a book that a few people, maybe more people than not, are really um, afraid to examine because it, it really has a lot of truth in it. In particular, it, it, it really reveals that the Father and the Son are very extremely angry with mankind and that they're going to judge mankind for their sins. And people don't want to hear that message. They don't want to hear that there is a God that will punish you for your sins. You know, we want to hear about the, the nicey-poo God. Well, you know, God is nice and merciful, but he's also a judge, and he will punish those who disobey him. And that's what people need to understand. Isaiah 13, verse 11 states plainly, and I will punish the world for their evil. So I've heard people tell me in the past, well, the world's not evil. Everyone is basically a nice world and people get along. But what, is, what does God say? Isaiah 13, verse 11, and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy, see, that's the problem, the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And then when you have people like myself, we, we, we preach the truth to the best of our abilities, and, and then we, we, get some, you know, we get falsely accused, or some people think that we're being arrogant or prideful because we're speaking the truth. And that's not the case at all. Somebody has to speak the truth. Um, and, and Zechariah, let's turn to Zechariah. Zechariah, chapter 7, verse 3. This is an important scripture to understand here because it tells you what people who are prophets and people who preach the prophets' messages like I do, I understand the prophetic books very well because the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKadosh, which uh, is uh, the Holy Spirit in Hebrew, has given me that ability to understand the, the prophetic scriptures and, and, and the Bible. 
but I get persecuted because of this gift. Zechariah 7, verse 3, And to speak unto the priests which were in the house of the Lord of hosts. And remember that uh, in, in, uh, during the first century, Yeshua revealed to us that we will be kings and priests. So I'm, I'm a priest in training right now. And to speak unto the priests which are in the house of the Lord of hosts, and to the prophets, saying, Should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I have done these so many years? Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all people of the land, and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seventy years, did ye at all fasten to me, even to me? And he explains in Isaiah chapter 58 how to fast, the proper way to fast. Zechariah 7, verse 6, And when ye did eat and when ye did drink, did ye not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? And that's what many of us do. We, we, we only drink for ourselves and eat for ourselves. And he doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to uh, think about other people. And are they eating and are they drinking? And can we help them? That's, that's the way he wants us to think. Verse 7 in Zechariah chapter 7, Should ye not hear the words which the Lord has cried by the former prophets? Here we go. So, God, through the Holy Spirit, gives the prophets and the priests and the ministers the ability to understand the Bible. But he says that should ye not hear the words which the Lord has cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity in the cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south and the plain. And the word of the Lord came unto Zacharias. So the word of the Lord comes to the person he chooses to give that word to other people. And the word of the Lord came unto Zacharias, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Now this word came to Zechariah, and what did Zechariah do? He wrote those words down. Verse 9, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, not false judgment, true judgment, and to show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. And so we should be compassionate and show mercy to everyone. Verse 10, And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger. None of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But this is what Israel has always done, and they still do it today. Uh, not everyone in Israel, but the majority. Verse 11, But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. That is one of the character traits of Israel. Verse 12, yet they made their hearts as an adamant stone. They did, not God. They did. They did it on their own free will. They made their hearts as adamant as stone that not they should hear the law or the instructions and the words which the Lord of hosts sent in his spirit by the former prophets. That's how the Holy Spirit guides into all truth. By a man, he chooses men to teach you, all right? And the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets, therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore, in verse 13, it has come to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, they, they would not hear. They chose not to hear. So they cried, and I would not hear, says the Lord. See, this is what happens. If you don't hear God's words, he's not going to hear you. So you better pay attention to what he says. Because if you don't pay attention to what he says, he's not going to hear you when you have your request. Thus says the Lord. 
So anyway, talk about some world events today. I'm going to see what's going on in Jerusalem before I get into my Bible study. says, Netanyahu, Israel will respond to Palestinian unilateralism with steps of his own. And so unilateralism means that uh, you're going to do something without, uh, you're going to do something by yourself. That's what it means. And it says, Israel will take unilateral steps of his own. In other words, uh, uh, they're free to do what they want and no one else is helping them or assisting them. Uh the Palestinians continue to shore up their statehood bid outside the confines of a negotiated agreement. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned on Sunday, I quote, unilateral steps on the Palestinians' part will be met with unilateral steps on our part. We are ready to continue the talks, but not at any price. End of quote. Netanyahu told his cabinet before the start of their weekly meeting. He spoke as the ninth month negotiated, or the nine month rather, negotiating process due to expire April 29th, appeared to be on the verge of falling apart without any measurable success or plans for future talks. And so again, folks, this needs to stop. God does not want his land separated. And as long as they continue to do this, there's going to be curses, tremendous curses in the land of Israel and anyone who is involved in it. So, you know, Zechariah 12 tells us plainly, if we just turn there, Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12. Verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about, and when they be in the siege, both against Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 3. And this is talking about future prophecy, so this, you know, Jerusalem's not in siege yet. But in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, but this prophecy is occurring even now. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces. And, that, and that's pretty serious, folks. Is that anyone that burdened themselves, that word burden in the original Hebrew means amos. It means to load, to impose, uh, to be involved in it, you know, involved in things that, that God is a, that does not like in reference to Jerusalem. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. So all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. So he says that all the earth will be against it, and those that continue to be against it, they're going to be annihilated. So you better be for Jerusalem, folks, not against it. That's a warning. And for those who are interested in what's going on in uh, Jerusalem, go to the um, templeinstitute.org website templeinstitute.org they had a show last week uh, giving you the latest uh, in the drive the prophetic drive to build the third temple so for those who don't believe that there's going to be a temple um, you need to enlighten yourself and educate yourself and go to Israel, um, uh, the templeinstitute.org and, and look at the facts the templeinstitute.org they already have Levitical priests trained they have uh, most of the artifacts for the temple um they are certainly uh, fulfilling the prophecy that Yeshua and John talked about in reference to the temple being there. Okay. Let's see what else. Uh, it says, Netanyahu, Israel, Reading, war crimes com- complaint against Abbas. Minister says, U- U.S. envoy and Dink to meet today with Levini, Erekat, in effort to salvage talks. So they're still trying to 
talk back and forth with this, and, and what does the Bible say about this? Uh, there's a prophecy in the book of Judges. Yes, in the book of Judges. Uh, verse 1, and Judges 2, verse 1, And an angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swore unto your fathers, and I have said I would never break my agreement with you. Verse 2, And you shall make no league or covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, and they haven't done that, have they? But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? I try to tell, teach people, whenever you disobey God, bad things happen. Bad things happen, and people don't believe it. And so when these things happen, then they, oh, oh I should have listened, you know. Verse 3, Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And that's the prophecy, because haven't the Palestinians been a snare to the Israelis? And they will continue to, to be so until they do as God is telling them here in Judges 2, verse 3. It says, Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and God shall be a snare unto you. And see, the people knew it was wrong. In verse 4, it says, And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spoke these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And wept. And see, it's a lesson that we, that we must learn, and, and people just don't get this uh, when I try to preach this. But, you know, just like the, the prophet Ezekiel, he told the prophet Ezekiel, the people of Israel are going to be stubborn, they're hard-headed, they don't want to listen. But I still have to preach it, and that's what I'm doing. Isaiah, I'm sorry, First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. It says, And Samuel said, and it's the prophet Samuel saying, Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So he, he said obeying God is more important even than the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And really that's symbolic of giving to people. But he says when you obey him, that's more important than that. It's more important than that. Because when you obey God, you're going to be doing that anyway. <laughs> but anyway, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Verse 23. Now, people just don't get this scripture. You know, I, I've quoted this often. But it says, for rebellion, rebellion in Hebrew means murray, Marie, and it means bitterness. Okay? Bitterness. To be bitter. For rebellion, to be bitter, is, is the sin of witchcraft. <laughs> it's the sin of witchcraft. So when you're, when you're rebelling, it's witchcraft. And what is witchcraft? You're, you're in the realm of the devil. You're in his world, okay, his rebellious world, his, his world of bitterness. Uh, it says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. And stubbornness is, 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 is linked with being rebellious, not wanting to do what you need to do. And stubbornness is as idolatry. So being stubborn, not wanting to obey God, is, is you're committing idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected thee from being king. And this is a prophecy, folks, because uh, believers today, we're, we're being trained to be kings and priests. But if we reject the word of God, then we won't be king. And that's what happened to Saul, and that's what will happen to us if we reject the words of God. So we better be careful. We better be careful. Verse 24, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, 
for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. So if you want to know what sin is, uh, King Saul told you this here. Sin. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Whenever you transgress the commandment of the Lord, you sin. And thy words. And see, here's the problem with most people. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You don't fear the people, folks. You fear God and obey his voice. You don't fear people and, and be concerned about how they feel and what they think. So anyway, and this is what, you know, I can understand what the prophet Ezekiel is going through. Believe me, I feel him, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to having nice conversations with him. But I talked about the scroll and what it meant last week. It's a, the scroll, the little scroll, is, is certainly um, a message that is sweet as honey but it's also bitter. And Ezekiel 3, verse 1, gives you a little insight into detail what the message of the scroll is. Uh, it says, Moreover, he said unto the Son of Man, Eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and speak unto the house of Israel. And that's what I do on this program. I speak to the house of Israel. I speak to all the regions of the world that I can. Uh, the United States, Canada, the countries of Northwestern Europe, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. I'm talking to those regions. I'm trying to do what the prophet Ezekiel did. And I'm not the only one. There's a few others that are doing this as well. Verse 2, So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. In verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. So it's a sweet message. But it's bitter too, because... I have to preach that bad things are going to happen to this world because of the world's sin. And people don't want to hear that message. They want to hear the nicey-poo message, you know. Oh, everything's going to be okay, and we're all going to get along and so forth. But what's going to lead to that? What, we have to go through some tough times before that happens. Verse 4, And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee into the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. That's how a true minister of God preaches. He speaks with God's words, not his own words or what he thinks is right, okay? And people come and tell you, they, 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 they try to challenge me and say, well, it's not possible. I try to act like it's not possible to do that. Hold your place here in Ezekiel. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Because God says it's possible. God says this is what this is a prophecy and I'm going to talk about this more because this is I'm sick and tired of it and God is tired of it and he's moving me to speak out against it uh, Jeremiah 23 verse 16 thus says the Lord of hosts hearken not unto the words of the prophets or the ministers that prophesy unto you they make you vain they speak a vision of their own mind they use their own interpretation and not uh, out of the mouth of the Lord verse 17 they say still unto them that despise me the Lord has said you shall have peace. And he's just giving an example. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart. That's a sin to preach the Bible out of the imagination of your own heart. No evil shall come upon you. And then verse 18. For, he, for who has stood in the council of the Lord and has proceeded and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard? And in verse 19 it says, Behold, a hurricane of the Lord is gone in fury. Even a grievous hurricane, it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked, which is a prophecy. 
in verse 20, he says, The anger of the Lord shall not return until we have executed, until he has performed the thoughts of his heart in the latter days, the days of the 21st century. You shall consider it perfectly. Verse 21, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. And you got many of that stuff today, people thinking that God speaks to them and all that. Verse 22, but if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my word. Again, this is the function of a minister, despite what people falsely accuse me of doing. It says right here, it says, but if a function of a prophet, function of a minister, either or, okay? But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my, what's that word cause in the original Hebrew? Et. Okay, and it means, uh, says right here, in a demonstrative sense of entity, self, okay, so it calls my people to hear my words. That's, if you are a preacher, you have the gift to be able to help the people understand and hear the words of God. That's what here means hebraically, to understand. Then, they should have turned them from their evil way. Again, the Holy Spirit uses men to do that. And from the evil of their doings. In verse 23, I a God, am I a God at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Verse 24, can say, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do not I fill the heaven and earth, says the Lord. Verse 25, heard what the prophet said, that prophesied lies, and as many people prophesying lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. I hear this a lot from people. I have dreamed this, I dreamed that. Not to say that all dreams are bad, but we better be careful about what we think we've dreamed versus what the scriptures tell us on how to properly interpret dreams. Verse 26, how long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yes, they are prophets of the deceit. Of their own heart. You can deceive your own heart, your own mind. Verse 27, which think to cause my people to forget my name. You can also cause people to forget the Lord, and you can also cause people to obey the Lord. Okay? Uh, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal, which is a false god. Verse 28, the prophet that have a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that have my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Okay? That's the key. Speak the word faithfully. Don't twist it. Don't put your own interpretation on it. Don't say, well, I don't believe that. That's not what it's saying when it is saying that. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to have the ability to, to, to be able to understand the scriptures. It's a shaft to the wheat, says the Lord. Verse 29, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. That's the way I preach. That's why a lot of people don't listen to me. I know that because people, they, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to be, they don't want to, to change. They think that they're okay the way they are. Okay, and, and, and that's sad, but that's the way it is. Now, getting back to Ezekiel, and he said to me, Son of man, go get thee into the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. Verse 5, for thou are not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, who are today Canada, the United States, the countries of northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. That's geographically that's where they are located, many of them. All right? Verse 6, 
Not too many people of strange speech and of a hard language whose words thou cannot understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened to thee, which explains that God specifically has only worked throughout history, uh, <clears throat> in most cases, with Israel. Of course, that changed during the first century when the gospel was entire world. All right? But he still is reaching out to Israel because Israel should, it should be a light to the Gentiles, to the other nations. And currently we are not right now. We're not being the example that he wants us to be. Verse 7, But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee. Believe me, I know that. I know that. <laughs> Boy, do I know that. For they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel, and this is what God says. Don't get pissed off at me. Don't, don't, don't get angry at me when I tell you this. Okay, you get angry at God. He says right here, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. <laughs> so that's why I'm not surprised that people uh, don't, they're not really motivated too much to listen to this program like they should. They should be listening to this program every week. This program does preach the word of God truthfully and faithfully, all right? But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. <laughs> for all, he says, all the house of Israel are imputed and hard-headed, okay? Don't want to listen. And uh, this, this word in Hebrew is kazak. It means uh, to be bold, and violently bold, impudent, okay? Loud, mighty. All right? And hard-headed. Obstinate. Okay? So he said all of Israel, the majority of Israel are like this. And in the uh, 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, it states this. But the children of Israel will not give ear to you, for they have no mind to give ear to me. For all the children of Israel have a hard brow and a stiff heart. And in the... Uh, Okay, I was just reading in another version, seeing if it uh, has some other good translations here. Yeah, okay, in the New American Standard Bible version, which is a word-from-word translation, Ezekiel 3, verse 7, says, Yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. <laughs> and so this is what he's done uh, for me and for anyone else who's bold enough to continue to speak the messages, the prophetic messages of Ezekiel. Uh, verse 8, Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces. So I've, I've had to be hard. My face is hard as their faces, and my forehead is hard as their foreheads. So just, as, just like Israel's stubborn, I'm stubborn. And just as, you know, but I'm stubborn in, in, in a righteous way, and I'm obstinate in a righteous way. Why, while the majority of Israel is stubborn and obstinate in a, in, in, in a bad way. And it is possible for for Yah to raise up men to preach to a, a great population. This proves it, the, uh, the chapter 3 of Ezekiel. And I explain to someone who's very close to me, we're living in the days of Noah, so you have Ezekiel's, you have other Noah's out here to a majority of people that have no clue and don't want to have a clue about who God is. And they, are, they do have a message to the house of Israel. Verse 8, Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Verse 9, Like emery harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, or be dismayed before them, for they are a rebellious house. They are a rebellious heart. 
okay? So <laughs> that's that's the point he wants to make. And I am totally aware of that, how rebellious Israel is, even the believers, those who claim that they're believers, you have, they have a rebellious streak in them. They don't want to really obey or listen to the words of God. Okay, and we we have to take that seriously, and I and I take it seriously. And so I, you know, there's certain things that I can say, and certain things that I can't say. But Isaiah, chapter fifty-eight, is a commandment to me and anyone else that has been given the ability to preach this message to Israel and, of course, to the world. Isaiah 58, verse 1, cry loudly, do not hold back. And people say, canard, hold back, right? But the Bible, God says, cry loudly, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yes, it's possible that God can raise up a man to cry loud and to hold back and to declare to the people their transgression and the house of Jacob. That's, that's what true ministers of God do, okay? True, true ones do that. Verse 2, yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness. That's a prophecy. And has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me just decision. They delight in the nearness of God. And then in, in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, you know, preaching is not about being nice. You know, so you're not being nice. Yeah, I'm being nice. You know, well, according to what God is saying, I am being nice. I'm preaching the truth to you. And because I love you and God loves you, he wants you to know how to change and repent so that you could enter his kingdom. In Romans 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Yes, and I feel the same way. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. That's the problem with most of Israel. Verse 3, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. That's the problem with most people in modern Israel today. How many minutes do I have? I have 14 minutes. I wanted to go over both these books. I'm going to go over a little bit, but I just wanted to, uh, let me let me look at uh, some, some national news here. Um, my friend here, his uh, blog, Economic Collapse. Yeah, it's called the EconomicCollapseBlog.com. He does an excellent job of uh, giving us uh, information about what's going on domestically here in this country. Like one headline here, he states, uh, I went to his website here, the EconomicCollapseBlog.com. It says, nine of the ten occupations in America pay an average wage of less than 35000 a year. And see, this only confirms another prophecy that I'm going to quote you. It says, according to stunning new numbers just released by the federal government, nine of the top ten most commonly held jobs in the United States pay an average wage of less than 35000 a year. When you break that down, and then people, some people don't understand the reason why I'm studying to get a doctorate degree, the reason why I'm trying to, to educate myself, because I know this. I know. <laughs> I know that wages are very low. And I don't want to make $35,000 a year. I want to be able to help people. And so to be able to do that, you have to increase your education. 
And so people that have accused me and falsely accused me and put me down because I'm trying to get the pinnacle of education, a doctorate degree, so I can teach online courses, they don't know what, they, they just don't have any sense. Anyway, when you break that down, that means that most of these workers are making less than 3000 a month before taxes. And that's before taxes, folks. <laughs> and once you consider how we are being taxed into oblivion, true, things become even more frightening. Can you pay a mortgage and support a family on just a couple grand a month? Of course not. Of course not. But see, the way out of it, folks, is to educate yourself. It's to educate you. Go to Penn Foster, PennFosterSchools.com. You can educate yourself without getting these, these financial aid loans. You can pay interest-free uh, monthly payments uh, to, to, to become a carpenter or or some other trade. They also have degrees, too, but not everyone needs to get degrees to make a livable income. And I just want to point out livable income. Go to PennFosterCollege.com. You can also go to my website, MercifulServiceOfGod.com, and, and click the uh, on the menu, Vocational Education, and you'll be able to um, get other information on other educational um, alternatives based on your situation. But anyway, of course not. In the old days, a single income would enable a family to live a very comfortable middle-class lifestyle in most cases, but now those days are long gone. In 2014, both parents are expected to work, and in many cases, both of them have to get multiple jobs just in order to break even at the end of the month. God never intended us to work like that. And he says the decline in the quality of our jobs is a huge reason for the implosion of the middle class in this country. So you can continue to read that article, but it just only justifies this prophecy in Malachi chapter 3, one of the reasons why the Messiah is coming, one of the reasons, one of the major reasons why he's coming, right here. Verse 5, Malachi 3, verse 5, and read this in the New American Standard Bible Version. It says, Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages. The widow and the orphan and those who turn aside the alien do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. That's the reason, that's one of the major reasons why he's coming back, because he's tired of seeing all this oppression. He's tired of people not making enough income to take care of their families. Do you hear that truth preached often by, by the ministers that you listen to? So anyway, let's go back here to, and I, you know, I'm, I'm prideful for God's words, not mine. I'm just preaching out of the Bible. And people, you believe it, people, some people falsely accuse me of being prideful because I'm preaching the words out of the Bible. It doesn't make any sense. And Matthew, um, <clears throat> let me turn to Matthew. One of the characteristics of God's true people is that they're persecuted and they're lied upon quite often. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, now he gets specific. Blessed are you when people insult you. Let me read this in the because I, I, I go through this uh, even among people that claim to, to be believers. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 11, Blessed. Happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction, God's favor and salvation, regardless of your outward conditions. Are you, when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account? All right? So he's revealing that 
one of the characteristics, and people, a lot of, I tell believers this, and they, they don't, I don't think they really understand what he's saying here. <laughs> but he's saying that one of the character traits of a true believer, the majority are going to, and even some believers, are going to falsely accuse you. They falsely accuse Yeshua. His own people did. All right? Uh, Luke 6, verse 22 says, Blessed, blessed are you when people despise, hate you, and when they exclude and excommunicate you and revile and denounce you and defame and cast out and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. And he says, verse 23, Be rejoice and be glad at such a time and exalt and leap for joy. And that's what I'm learning how to do, I'm telling you. For behold, your reward is rich, and I know it is, and great and strong and intense and abundant in heaven. For even so their forefathers treated the prophets. Okay? And he states right here. He says right here um, that woe to those who are rich, abounding in material resources. It's a warning to the rich people, for you, are, you already are receiving your consolation. And have taken and enjoyed your comfort in full. It says, woe to you who are full now. You know, completely filled, look, luxuriously gorged and satiated. <laughs> Fat. But you shall hunger and suffer want. Woe to, alas for you who laugh now. But you shall mourn and weep and wail. And so he's telling, hey, we better watch it. You know, we have all this material blessings and so forth. Okay? Uh, because... Uh, you, you have to realize you can't let that dominate your life to the point where you forget God. And Luke 6, verse 26, it says, Woe to, alas for you, when, when everyone speaks fairly and handsomely of you and praises you, for even so their forefathers did to the false prophets. Now see, this is a scripture I'm going to focus on a little bit because you know you have some people persecuting me and, and, and saying, well, that, that's the reason why your listenership has gone down Blog Talk Radio and all this other stuff. Well, what does God say here? <laughs> Luke 6, verse 26. Woe to you when everyone speaks fairly and handsomely of you and praises you, for even so their forefathers did to the false prophets. Okay? And so what I'm trying to explain to people who want to listen is true ministers of God are not going to be popular in this world, folks. They're not going to be popular. And many, many people struggle with this. They, they feel that if someone's preaching the truth, then the whole world's going to like them. And, and the Bible does not say that. It does not indicate that at all. And, and Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, particularly verse 14, it says that there's a tiny few that will even listen to, to God to the point of where they try to live his way of life. And this is all Bible. This is all Bible. And the fact that I am being persecuted preaching this confirms what the Scripture says. So it's just, you know, we're all going to have to get to a point. Stop playing games. And, and you know, if you want to choose the devil's way of life, choose his way of life. If you're going to choose God's way of life, choose his way of life. Because that's what God wants. He, wants. he wants what you really want. Okay? If you don't want to obey him, don't obey him. And if you do want to obey him, please obey him. That's, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. All right? So it, it, it says right here in Luke 6, verse 23 in the King James, it says, Rejoice in that day, and least, wait, actually in verse 22, Blessed are you when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast you out your name as evil for the sons of man's sake. 
Verse 23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. So the prophets were hated. They were separate. They, they, they were lied upon and slandered. And if you preach the prophets' message, you will be persecuted and slandered like the prophets. And that's the reason why I am today, because I preach the prophets' message. The Yeshua is the word of God. The word of God is his message in print. He is a prophet. And if anybody preach the words out of the Bible, you will be persecuted. Your name is evil, as mine is, and anyone else that truly preaches the words of God. You need to study that. You need to study that scripture and believe what it says. All right, so we're going to get on with the Bible study. Um, I'm going to go a little over here, uh, probably about 30 minutes over, uh, for those who are still listening to this program. Um, here's another thing, folks. I'm not going to preach a message that that is smooth and and avoids uh, the truth. I, that's not what this program's about, and this is what this program will never be about. This is the reason why God has me speak on this, because I can fully speak my mind. And it's not my mind, it's God's mind, it's the Bible. But what I mean by that I'm free to speak on this program, because I cannot speak like this out in the public. People would not be able to take it. Isaiah 30, verse 8. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. And he's talking about, again, Israel, the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, the countries in northwestern Europe, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, are people who are fat. Six out of ten of us are fat. And we got everything. And we have the words of God. I don't even want to read them and study them. Isaiah 30, verse 8, Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. Verse 9, For this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Verse 10, Would say to the seers, See not those who actually see and understand the Bible, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things. Prophecy deceits. Verse 11, Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. You know, God doesn't like that. And this is what he's, this is, this is his uh, reaction to that attitude, that satanic attitude. Verse 12. Wherefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverse day therein. Verse 13. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, Whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. That's God's warning. All I do is preach the words. You got a problem with those words, you need to speak to him about it. I didn't create these words. Hebrews 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4 verse 12 plainly states, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, that's the problem. See, we, we don't want that investigation. And so we naturally rebel and don't want to hear the words of God. We put our hands on our ears. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. We don't want change. But you've got to humble yourself. You've got to become, become as a little child. As, as Yeshua stated in Matthew chapter 18, to understand the words of God, ladies and gentlemen. 
I'm going to be going off the air here in the next 34 seconds, but I'm still going to talk about the assembly and the beast for those who continue to want to hear. Um, please listen to this program in the archives. It should be done, I'm thinking, uh, probably 11.15, 11.30. All right? So for those who want to listen to the entirety of this Bible study, uh, please, um, I think around 12 o'clock or maybe 11.45, the program will be available for you to listen to. You can just forward it over to um, after 45 minutes to listen to the rest of this message. Shalom. Peace. Okay. I am uh, in the recorded uh, format of this program. And I just want to read something else to you in Proverbs before I get on with the Bible study here of uh, Revelation chapter 12 and 13. Proverbs chapter 1 states this states this verse 24 it says because I have called and you refuse I have stretched out my hand and no man regardeth." so yes God calls but you have to to answer the call many are called but few are chosen verse 25 but you have set at not all my counsel and with none of my reproof you don't want to be corrected. And so God says this in verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes, verse 27, when your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a hurricane or whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, verse 28, then they shall call upon me. And that's the way folks are. When, when a hurricane's coming, when there's some problem, then you come to God. God wants you to come to him regardless. <laughs> when you fear come come as a desolation and your destruction as a hurricane when distress and anguish come upon you. Verse 28, then they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Verse 29, for they that hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil in Proverbs 8, verse 13. They were not of my counsel. They despise all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For turning away the simple shall slay them, but the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearkeneth to me shall dwell safety and shall be quiet for fear of evil. And he states here in verse 22 of Proverbs chapter 1, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Because he says fools hate knowledge. I'm not calling you a fool. He is. He's calling any of us a fool if we hate knowledge. Verse 23, Turn you at my correction. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make my words unto you. Please memorize this scripture because this is a key for you or anyone else to understand the Bible. If you are open to be corrected by the scriptures, then he states that he will pour out his spirit unto you to make his words known unto you. If you are not willing to listen to what the Bible says, which the Holy Spirit used men to write down words so that you can understand the words if you obey him and are, are willing to do teshuva, um, to repent. Uh, uh, repent means teshuva in Hebrew. Then receive the Spirit so that you can understand the words of God. So you, you got to start, and this is something that I see with uh, believers a significant amount of them. They're not they're not willing to be corrected based on the Scripture. They say, well, that's your interpretation. That's what you 
But there's no private interpretation, folks. And there are some people that are preaching the truth, and they're not using their private interpretation. If that wasn't the case, then it would, nobody would be able to understand God's words. So anyway, study now Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Now, Revelation 12 and 13 is talking about events that are happening during the tribulation, folks. Okay? Um, the book of Revelation is not all in order, okay, step by step. In some chapters, it, it goes back to an earlier chapter and gives you more detail, and this is an example of it. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Verse 4, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So, of course, this is talking about the, the Christ child, the Messiah child, talking about the prophecy of him being born through a woman. We know that woman was Miriam, Hebrew for Mary. And right here, and it says the devil threw the third part of the stars of heaven. There's so many different interpretations of that. Some people say he was able to influence one-third of the angels. Um that's a plausible interpretation, but I'm just going to read what it says. It says, His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast into the earth. Okay, so it can't be literal stars because the earth uh, would not exist. So obviously those stars in this context must be talking about angels. Uh, verse 5, And she brought forth a man-child, well, was the Messiah, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, with force, a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God and to his throne. Okay? So this verse reveals to you that, <laughs> that the Messiah was caught up to God, that's God the Father, and to his throne. All right? Now, let's hold your place here. Let's turn to Daniel. Because I told you Daniel and Ezekiel is linked with the book of Revelation. Let's turn to Daniel. And, I, you know, I, yesterday I, I was trying to emphasize that that God the Father and Jesus Christ are are God, but they're two separate beings. And and I got, you know, <laughs> I don't know if the word persecuted, but misunderstood because of that. Uh, Daniel, I'm trying to explain the truth of this. Daniel chapter seven. Daniel chapter seven, verse uh, thirteen. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came. That's the Messiah. Came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancients of days. Now, you read that the ancients of days here is the Father. So the Messiah came to the ancient of days. He came to another being, and they brought him near before him. So the Messiah is brought before the ancient of days. This scripture proves it's, it's just two separate beings here. It's not one being. That's the Father and the Son. Uh, verse 14, and there was given him dominion. So is the Father going to give something to himself? No. And there was given him dominion and glory and the kingdom, because he has everything. Why is he going to give something to himself? Uh, give dominion and glory and the kingdom that all people, nations, and languages to serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, 
which shall not pass away in his kingdom, that which shall be destroyed. And in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, the last few verses here, it states uh, in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so if the power is given to the Messiah, he had to get it from someone else. <laughs> so, so I mean, there's other scriptures. But, but anyway, I just wanted to point that out. In Revelation, let's go back to Revelation chapter 12. And if you resist that truth, you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. Plain and simple as that. Uh, verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God that she should feed her there 1,203 score days. Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not. So this is the start of the tribulation when it is talking about this uh, this space battle between Michael and his angels against the dragon and his angels. And in verse 8, And prevailed not, neither was there a place found any more in heaven. And in verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, Hasatan, or Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And, I, and I'm going to prove to you the reason why this is the start of the tribulation, folks. It's right in here in verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Okay? Again, two separate beings here. Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Two separate beings again. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. In other words, they were willing to sacrifice their lives for God. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath. Because he knoweth he has but a short time. Now, what's the Bible's definition of a short time? We're about to find out in a minute. But let me just go over and recap what's going on here. All right? There was a battle in heaven. Devil lost his battle. He was permanently taken out of heaven. He currently, right now as I'm speaking, he's probably false accusing me now. He's the, the accuser of our brethren. He, he accuses us day and night in heaven. So he's allowed to be in the presence of God and to false accuse us. And sometimes he, he accuses us correctly. Uh, because, you know, the devil, he has a little deception, and he has to put a little truth in the air uh, to, to make yourself seem right. But, of course, uh, God cannot be deceived. And he accuses us before our God day and night. And the Father listens to that stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. Anyway, verse 12, for him to even allow the devil to be in his presence is amazing. Anyway, verse 12, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come upon you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. And when a dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted a woman, which brought forth the man-child. Verse 14, So he persecuted, well, who's the woman that had brought forth the man-child? Well, it's going to tell you here in a minute. It's not Miriam anymore. It's, it's, it's something else. Verse 14, And to the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time. So that short time that the devil knows he has, 
is three and a half years. That's the period of the tribulation from the face of the serpent. Verse 15, and the serpent cast out of his mouth as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war, and that means war, with the remainder of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you want to know who the true believers of God are, it's right there. The true believers of God are those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Christ, which is the spirit or mindset of prophecy. Uh, true believers of God don't run away from prophecy. They try to understand it. So those are the characteristics of God's true people. They keep the commandments, and they, and they have a good sense of understanding the prophecies because they have the, 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 the spirit of prophecy. Uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ is interpreted in the book of Revelation as the spirit of prophecy. Let's turn to Revelation 19, verse 10, to understand that. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Okay, what's the testimony of Jesus? What's the Bible interpretation of it? Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit or mindset of prophecy. Okay? So let's go back. Let's go back to that now revelation chapter 13 revelation 13 verse 1 so let's get the picture here so i i don't have any going to detail about i'm going to try to do the best i can to describe to you what this beast is all right there's, there's been so many different interpretations of this i'm going to give you the correct interpretation of it based on the scriptures and based on common sense and history Revelation 13, verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Daniel chapter 7, you need to read along with this to truly understand what's going on. And I'm going to do that. Revelation 13, verse 2, And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet was as a feet of a bear, in his mouth as the mouth of a lion, a dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Okay, hold your place here and let's go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to reveal some things that you probably never have heard before. Uh, Daniel chapter 7. Verse 2. Daniel spoke and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Now, that's interesting because the four winds of heaven covers all the four regions of the earth, north, south, east, and west. Verse 3, and the four great beasts came up from the sea diverse from one another. Verse 4, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Verse 5, and behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side and had... Three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it, and they said unto us, Thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. Verse 6. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with feet of it, and it was diverse from all the feast, beasts, that, not feast, <laughs> beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Verse 8. Now, these are four. I want you to understand. These are four beasts, not just one, okay? 
Verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, which is the, uh, the anti-Messiah, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man, and the mouth speaking great things. That's the anti-Messiah. Verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, or set up, and the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, God the Father, did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wills as a burning fire. And verse 10 of Daniel chapter 7, a fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands upon thousands ministered to service, or did service before his throne, and, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. Verse 11. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld till the beast was slain, and his, that tells you what the, the, the horn is. It's the anti-Messiah, the beast. Till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So this is talking about what occurred in Revelation chapter 20. The beast and the false prophet were both thrown in the lake of fire. We're going to get to that sometime in the future, uh, Revelation chapter 20. Verse 12, as concerning the rest of the beast, so there's going to be other beasts. <laughs> they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Okay? Verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, his father, and they brought him near before him, and there was given to him dominion, glory, and kingdom, and power, and, and so forth. All right. In verse 16, Daniel says, says, I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me to know the interpretation. So let's go by what the Bible says here. Right? Verse 17 says, These great beasts, which are four, four kings shall arise out of the earth. And so these kings weren't arisen at the time of Daniel. This is one verse that I don't think any people really understood properly. But in verse 17 says, These great beasts, which are four, are four kings that shall arise out of the earth. This is a prophecy right now that is referring to the quartet. Now, the quartet, out of the quartet, these four other beasts are going to be four. I don't know if the quartet are the four beasts, but the quartet, for those who don't know who the quartet is, let me go to Wikipedia right now. Type in the quartet. Okay, quartet, and then you're going to find out what the quartet is. Wikipedia here, and it's not coming up. Wikipedia. You can go along with me if you have Wikipedia here. I'm still trying to type Wikipedia. Okay. Okay, wikipedia.org, and then type in quartet. I tell you, Wikipedia is a marvelous tool. Okay, and... Okay. The Quartet on the Middle East. So you have to type that in. The Quartet on the Middle East. The Quartet on the Middle East is a foursome of nations and international and supranational entities involved in mediating the peace process in the Israeli-Palestinian consists of four, amazingly. The United Nations, the United States, the European Union, and Russia. These are the four most powerful power blocks in the world. And obviously Daniel has to be talking about, or the angels talking about these four power blocks. Now I don't know specifically which beast lines up. I have my suspicions. 
I don't know which beats lines up with these quartet, but but obviously it has to be talking about these four. Okay, verse eighteen. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom, and shall possess the kingdom forever and ever. It says, and then verse uh, eighteen, verse nineteen. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse or different from all the other all the other three beasts, from all the others exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces, and stamped a residue with his feet. Now, now realize that this beast, this beast, um, beast is a very dangerous beast, the fourth beast, because this beast will break the earth into pieces, unfortunately. It says right here, it devoured brick and pieces, stamped the residue with his feet. And uh, let me read the rest of what he says about the fourth beast here. And break in pieces, stamped the residue with his feet. In verse 20, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellow. I beheld the same horn, or the antimacide, made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until the ancients of days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Verse 23, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse or different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall thread it down and break it into pieces. So it says that this fourth beast will break the earth into pieces. All right? And, and I just wanted to point that out there. And, but, but, and you read the rest of this, uh, this beast will be overcome. Now, getting back to Revelation 13, I wanted to read that because I want you to understand in verse 2, this fourth beast is a combination of the three, the, the three other beasts, the, uh, the beast uh, that was a leopard and, and, the, and the one that was a bear and the one that was a lion. So it's the combination of all those beasts, that fourth beast, which I suspect is the United Nations because the United Nations is an amalgamation of all the resources of the world. All right, and in verse 3 it says, And I saw one of the heads as it was wounded to death. I know people have their various interpretations of what they think that is. I think that that's an assassination. And I would recommend anyone to read, Armstrong wrote, Mr. Hubert W. Armstrong, you can do a Google search on who or what is the prophetic beast. I believe that this booklet really will help you understand who the beast is. And he has something here in, re in reference to the deadly wound. The deadly wound historically is referring to uh, the fall of the Roman Empire back in A.D. 476. And it was healed. And each of these individual horns, uh, the seven horns is representing a, a type of Roman Empire that was resurrected. But I don't have any time to go into detail about that. That's why I'm suggesting you to go and get the booklet, okay, and check this. Well, actually, I can read to you what it appears the first horn was. Uh, the first horn was the Vandals back in A.D. 429, 533. The second horn was the Hiroli, uh, Odysseus government, A.D. 476 to 493. The third horn was the Ostrogoths, A.D. 493 to 554. Now, um, the fourth horn is the Imperial Restoration by Justinian, A.D. 554. Uh, the Frankish Kingdom began in 774 
A.D., Charlemagne, A.D. 80, A.D. 800. So the Frankish kingdom involves, it began in 774 A.D., and Charlemagne was crowned in A.D. 800. The Holy Roman Empire from Otto the Great, 962 A.D., the Habsburg dynasty, Australian head, Charles V crowned in 1530, and Napoleon's kingdom, 1804. And then we get down to the 20th century, the knife horn was Italy, united by um, Garibaldi, uh, 1870 to 1945. And now we're waiting for the seven resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire. And that seven resurrection will involve this amalgamation of all the resources of the world, which it has its genesis right now in the United Nations and also in NATO. Because NATO, if we look at, take a look at what NATO is all about, folks. Let's, let's, turn, let's, let's type in NATO Wikipedia here. NATO. It says here, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, also called the North Atlantic Alliance, is an intergovernmental military alliance based on the North Atlantic Treaty, which was signed April 4, 1949. The organization constitutes a system of collective defense whereby its member states agree to mutual defense to response or in response to an attack by any external party. NATO's headquarters are in Brussels, Belgium, which is uh, one of the countries in Northwestern Europe, (laughs) one of the 28 member states across North America and Europe, the newest of which Albania and Croatia joined in April 2009. An additional 22 countries participate in NATO's Partnership for Peace program. So, um, I wanted to to find out exactly, I think it lists the nations that are involved. Okay, here we go, the members. Um, Member states of NATO. Um, Okay, right here. Of the 28 member countries, two are located in North America, Canada, United, 25 are European countries. That's interesting because, you know, Mr. Armstrong didn't teach about NATO. <laughs> and he, he was correct that, that this beast certainly will have foundation in Europe. But we need to understand also that the United States and Canada came from Europe. <laughs> we Our ancestors came from Europe, so you have to include them in the mix, too. Of the 28 member countries, two are located in North America and the United States. So there's only two countries from North America and NATO. All the rest of them are European countries. So that, that's pretty interesting. It says all members have militaries, although Iceland does not have a typical army. It says three of NATO's members are nuclear weapon states, France, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Okay. So... NATO has 12 original founding member nation states, and, and through April 2009, it has added 16 more member nations. So the majority of NATO, I would say 90% of NATO, is European nations. We have to include NATO in this as well, and, and trying to understand um, how this beast is going to be formed in the end time. All right, so anyway, getting back, and they do have nuclear power and remember, one of the characteristics of the beast is that it's, it's capable of breaking the earth into pieces. And it even describes the, um, 
the uh, it's just incredible how God can get exact in these prophecies. But in Daniel chapter seven, it even describes uh, that this beast had teeth of iron and nails of brass and a nuclear bomb. That's one of the components materials of a nuclear bomb: iron and brass. And again, what did the angels say about this fourth beast? It said, "This fourth beast." shall devour the whole earth, shall tread it down, and break it into pieces. NATO has the power to do that, folks. And remember, the majority of NATO are European nations. The only two nations that aren't European nations are the United States and Canada, but the United States and Canada are a part of NATO. It only makes sense. And people are telling me that the beast is Islam. How can the beast be Islam? They don't have the power to do what the Bible says here, to devour the whole earth and to thread it down and break it into pieces. So this, this, you know, I'm just using common sense here. All right, so let's go back to uh, Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. All right, so uh, we, uh, hopefully we, we get an idea of, of what this beast is consisting of right now, and we know that this beast is going to be a combination of the three other beasts uh, of what this quartet is, and we don't know exactly what the name of the beast will be, but we know that it's going to be an amalgamation of all the most, uh, all the most um, powerful nations of the world. That's what we know the Bible is telling us here. All right, so in, in verse 4, we understand that wounded to death is, I know people say is an assassination, but if you want to look historically, and biblically, it's referring to the Holy Roman Empire uh, dissolving. But it was healed, and it was healed uh, six times so far. And we're waiting for that seventh time. Uh, verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 42 months or, or um, three and a half years. Verse 6, and he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And this is an interesting scripture. It states that, that um, the beast uh, blasphemes tabernacle, which is in heaven, and then that dwell in heaven. Verse 7, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given unto them and over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So this little horn made war with the saints, and he overcame them. Verse 8, And all that dwell upon earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Verse 9, If any man have an ear, let him hear. So those that worship this beast will not be written in the book of life, folks. So if you exist on this earth at this time, and if you start worshiping the beast, you are not in the book of life. That's what the Bible tells you. Verse 10, He that leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. So there's two beasts. You have this one beast that's a geopolitical beast, that's an amalgamation of the most powerful power blocks or nations of the world who right now, anyway, consists of the quartet. All right? Uh, and I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him and caused the earth 
and them which dwell there and to worship the first piece whose deadly wound was healed. Okay? So the Pope right now is the most recognized figure in the world. I don't know if that's going to continue. All likelihood it will be. But whoever this second beast is, it's a religious beast. And obviously this religious beast is like Elijah because he he uh, does great wonders, so he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth inside of men. That's what Elijah did. And so we know this is a religious beast, and he causes all those to worship the geopolitical beast, the government, but also the person that's the head of the government as well. All right, verse 14, And deceive them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So this beast is going to be European-based. It's going to have European roots. All right, and an image of the beast or a statue of the beast will be similar to Daniel chapter 3. There was a statue risen up. Well, there's going to be another statue, and this statue is going to be an image of the beast and what the, the leader of the geopolitical beast is going to look like. And there's going to be some, a miracle done to make this, this statue move and speak. Verse 5, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should speak, and caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. In verse 16, And he caused all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and on their foreheads. Verse 17, And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And so what is this mark? It has something to do with buying or selling. Now, what is the mark? of God's people. What is the sign that we are God's people? Uh, what is the sign of God's people? If we look at Exodus chapter 31, we'll find out, and we're going to realize that this is going to have something to do with Sabbath observance. Uh, Exodus 31, verse 17. Verse 16. Actually, verse 14 says, Ezekiel, uh, I'm sorry, not Ezekiel. Exodus chapter 31, verse 14. You shall keep the Shabbat there, for it is holy unto you, Everyone that defile it shall surely be put to death, for whosoever does any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. In verse 15, six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Shabbat of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Shabbat day, he shall surely be put to death. Verse 16, wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat to observe the Shabbat throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Verse 17, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So that's a sign that you're a believer when you keep the Shabbat, a true believer. All right, and and uh, that is uh, it's interesting what Mr. Armstrong wrote here. Uh he wrote here on page 43 of this book. I'm just going to quote here. He says, yes, the mark of the beast once again will be enforced. No one will be able to hold a job or engage in business without it. Those refusing will once again be tortured and martyred, probably by the secret police of the political state, but at the behest of the church. Today, all nations are deceived by this paganism masquerading under the name Christianity. Today, America, Canada, Britain, the Israelitish nations descended from the ancient so-called lost ten tribes of Israel, actually in the ways of this Babylon. Okay, so uh, he's teaching correctly here that the mark of the beast is 
Sunday worship. It will have something to do with Sunday. I know people are thinking it's going to be a chip and all that. They may have something to do with it too, but let's look past that. Let's look at the spiritual. It has something to do with forcing people to worship on Sunday or the, the first day of the week. That's what it has something to do with. So uh, let's see here. So I just proved to you about the Sabbath being a sign uh, of uh, God's, uh, of being a true believer. And he says here on page 41 of this book, God says the penalty for sin is death. Sin is the transgression of the law. If we break only this one commandment, we are guilty. The penalty is death. The Roman church caused people to receive the mark of pagan Rome. The Sunday observed by the pagan Roman Empire and for disobedience was death. Fifty million or more were put to death, so says history. The Sabbath commandment is the only commandment the world would not accept in its mind, forehead, and obey by work or rest with the hand. It is the only commandment that can distinguish between those who have the mark of the beast or the sign of God. Now, the book of Revelation is written mostly in symbols. The right hand, yes, is, is written in symbols, but uh, those symbols are interpreted. The right hand symbolizes work or labor, the forehead, the intellect or mind. It has to do with what we believe in the mind and whether we obey with the hand. Okay, so he proves here that certainly Sunday worship will have something to do with this, this mark. And in Daniel chapter 7, this is an excellent booklet. I think the, the thing that Mr. Armstrong didn't understand was the significance of NATO. NATO was created, as I read to you, back in 1949. I don't think he's ever talked about it. But NATO really consists mostly of European nations. And so it must have something to do because it has the most powerful European nations, in it, including those who came from Europe, the, the, the United States and Canada. So you have to put NATO in that equation. But anyway, um, I should just... Despite that, I, I, I suggest you read this booklet. I, I think this is the best, in my opinion, it's the best uh, Bible study on who the beast is, seriously. And I don't think anyone has ever written anything better than this. Um, J.R. Church also wrote a booklet that may add insight into this. Um, forgot the name of it. Uh, hopefully I'll, I'll give it to you next week as far as the name of... Uh, let me see if I can Google it here real quick so you can get the book. Uh, I think Daniel J.R. Church. Yeah, okay, uh, the book by J.R. Church that I recommend you read. It says, Daniel reveals the bloodline of the anti-Messiah. Because many people, they're thinking that Islam is the anti-Messiah, and it, this book certainly proves that that's not the case. I, I just don't believe, I, I believe the, uh, the anti-Messiah um, Certainly, he's going to use Islam, okay? But I don't believe that the anti-Messiah is Islam. And I, I think J.R. Church does a beautiful job of, of uh, explaining that the anti-Messiah has going to have European roots. Daniel reveals the bloodline of the anti-Messiah. That's the name of the book. Daniel reveals the bloodline of the anti-Messiah by J.R. Church. I recommend you read that book. Also recommend you, do, you, you Google and type in Hubert W. Armstrong and who or what is the prophetic beast. All of his material is free online uh, for you to read. And you read these two books and you'll understand who the beast is today. Also, there's one other thing, too. God is asking us to try to figure out who the beast is. 
Now, he says here, I want you to notice this, in Revelation 13, verse 17 to 18, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, verse 18, here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding, so those who have understanding can count the number of the beast, and they can figure out who it is. For it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score 6. Now, since God is challenging us to figure this out, I'm going to use the wisdom that he has given me to try to figure it out. Now, I don't know for sure whether or not this individual is the anti-Messiah, but I'm telling you just in case he is the anti-Messiah. This individual has a coat of arms that lines up with Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. And this individual I'm talking about was born around the same time that the nation of Israel was formed in the Middle East. He's one of the richest individuals in the entire world. He claims to have lineage from King David. He also, uh, people have said that he converted over to Islam, carried the Islam side of it. Uh, this individual is a prince, and the Bible states plainly that in, in Daniel, let's look at Daniel here. Daniel, I, I, I can't bottle this stuff up anymore. I have to reveal this to you, folks. Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Verse 26, and after three score two weeks shall Messiah be cut off now for himself and the people of the prince. So he reveals that there's going to be a prince that shall come. All right? So who is this individual? Uh, the prince that shall come, who, who, who is this individual? Well, uh, I propose to you that the anti-Messiah could be. I'm not telling, saying that he is, but he, he could be Prince Charles. The reason why, one of the major reasons why, if you go type in Prince Charles coat of arms, Prince Charles coat of arms, and if you do that, you'll have an image, and that image, it has the same imagery. It has a lion. It has a bear, uh, feet of a bear, and it has a dragon on the right side. It's the only... Uh, of coat of arms that has that of the British royalty. He's the only one that has a dragon on his coat of arms. And his coat of arms fits the imagery here in Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, where it says, And the beast, which I saw, was like unto a leopard, and his feet was as the feet of the bear. His coat of arms has a picture of a leopard, and the leopard's feet is like the feet of a bear, and his mouth as a mouth as a lion. That that leopard and his coat of arms has a mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, his seat and great authority. The dragon's on the right side of the, uh, of the coat of arms. That's amazing, but that's, that's the case. Also, his name in Hebrew is, counts as 666, in English 666, and in Greek 666. Okay, there's many other things about Prince Charles, but what I recommend that you also do is read a book by, that was written by Tim Cohen, which, yes, he is a Jew, and he's from the line of Aaron. Tim Cohen, and, and uh, he wrote a book called The Antichrist and a Cup of Tea. I suggest you get that and study it. Now, I, I don't agree on some things he states. Uh, he doesn't believe that the United States and Britain is a part of Israel, but um, 
I, I've proven to you on this program that that is the case, and you can go to www.britam.org. That's www.britam.org to prove that the United States and Britain has a lot to do with Israel. But anyway, despite that, read the truth that he does have in the booklet, The Antichrist and a Cup of Tea. He does make a compelling case to prove that uh, Prince Charles is the anti-Messiah. Now, I'm not saying that he is, but I'm saying it's a great possibility. Not, I'm not saying a great possibility, but it's a possibility that he can be the anti-Messiah. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, may God bless and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available to you next week. And again, the beast in Revelation chapter 13 is talking about a geopolitical beast that has European roots and is also talking about a, a false religious beast Right now, it appears it's the Pope that has European roots. That's also going to be a beast, and and he's going to cause people to worship the geopolitical beast. All right? So may God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.